0: Last Sunday evening, of course, was part three, and I I titled that the source the source of strength. And uh, <clears throat> in part three, we focused on the first part of verse eleven from chapter one. Um, and tonight's focus we're going to be in what we call eleven b, so the second part of verse eleven. Then moving into verses 12, 13, and fourteen. So if you have your finger on verse eleven, and in part two, uh, two weeks ago. Um, which I which I entitled which I titled Paul's Prayer. We started in verse nine, and there, uh, most commentators, those who study the scriptures more than I do, believe uh, there in verse nine is a brand new paragraph. If you have maybe a new translation, you'll probably see a bit of a a break there with maybe a kind of subtitle, and verse nine flows right through into verse fourteen, and in those six verses, we have Paul focusing on what both he and Timothy are praying for those faithful saints at Colossae. And Paul's prayer flows uh, through verses 9, verse 10, verse 11, and into verse 12, where a little bit of a shift starts to take place. Now, Paul, of course, along with Timothy, is still in the position of prayer. But his words and attitude move from that of prayer into more of a place of praise, from prayer into praise. And Paul comes out of verse 11 with wonderful words, of encouragement and exhortation we read them at the close of last week's study but as i always like to do can we go back just a few phrases a few sentences just to get context so we can follow the flow of paul and timothy and what they're trying to communicate to the believers in this town in asia minor so let's start at the beginning of verse 9 it's on the screen anyway can you make that a wee bit smaller cameron oh god love you have to stand up thanks everyone see that okay so, starting at verse 9, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering. With joyfulness, and we've already looked in detail at the desires and prayers of both Paul and Timothy, this apostle and this evangelist, and they wanted every believer in Colossae to firstly be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and understanding. We've looked at that. The contemporary English version puts it like this: We, that's Paul and Timothy, always pray that God will show you everything he wants you to do, and that you may have all the wisdom and understanding that his Spirit gives. What a beautiful thing that these men, this apostle, this young evangelist are praying for these saints in Colossa, that God will show them everything that he wants them to do and that they will have all the wisdom and understanding they need given by the very Spirit of God. Secondly, Paul and Timothy desired and prayed that this would enable and this would cause every believer there to walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. But that's not all. They wanted every believer, each Christian in that place, in that town, to become faithful, to bear fruit, to make a difference, to see things happen and to see people change from what they call every good work. But that wasn't all. Paul and Timothy also desired and prayed that each believer would increase in the knowledge of God. I love the NLT rendering of this. I think it helps to understand what Paul and Timothy were trying to communicate. They say, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. And that's what we are called to do, church. That's, we're also called to do that, to honor and to please the Lord. Our lives producing every kind of good fruit. We are to be trees planted by that living water that bear good fruit of every kind. And while this happens, we should also be growing in our knowledge of the Lord, getting to know him better and better. Now, doesn't that sound truly wonderful? What could be better than getting to know the Lord better? That relationship that you have with him. Then Paul, as we know from last week's study, continues to pray that each faithful saint there in Colossae would be strengthened with all might according to his. That's the Lord's glorious power. But to what end? Well, we know that he told them unto all patience and long-suffering with joy. To all patience and long-suffering with joy. You know, Paul and Timothy, I believe, are on their knees constantly before the Lord, asking him on behalf of the congregation in Colossa to give them strength according to and by his glorious power, so that the church, so that the body of Christ will have the ability to be patient and to be long-suffering. But not just that. They desire that the church will be able to suffer long and be patient with joy, alongside joy. Two things that for us generally, well, I know for me, really do not go together. Am I right? It's a bit, I said last week, it's a bit of an oxymoron. When we think about patience and long suffering, we don't generally associate either with joy. Well, I sure don't. Does anyone associate suffering with joy? No, no. What exactly is joyful about having to wait or to suffer? There's nothing joyful about waiting or suffering. I think Paul and Timothy here have lost the plot a little bit. Look, let's be honest. It's more for us a struggle and a fight. For me, it's oftentimes frustration, even fighting, arguing, doubting God. It involves disappointment and generally sometimes an all-round bad mood for me. I take the hump, I go in a huff, I don't like to wait. I don't like to be told to wait. We don't want to wait. We don't like being asked to be patient. Would I be right in saying tonight that most of us do not associate patience and long-suffering with joy? We just don't. But that's exactly what Paul and Timothy want for the believers here. And I believe by God's grace and by his strength through this glorious power that it is more than possible. It's, in fact, It's doable. With God and with his strength, all things are possible. Can you say amen to that? Even for me, having patience, God can do that in me. And I can tell you that is a miracle. If you've never seen a miracle, see me patient. That's a miracle. I did own juice tonight, so. I remember Doreen used to do the, the lime juice for prayer meeting. It's beautiful. Here's what I want to tell you. You can have joy in the waiting. You can. You can have joy in the suffering and in the circumstance. You can have joy in the trial and the testing. You can have it. You can have joy in the times when your patience patience has wore so thin. You know what? You can receive it. You can receive that joy. You can live in that joy when you trust in the Lord and rely on his strength and not your own. This word patience. It comes from a root word meaning this makes no sense to me at all. The root word is cheerful. Like what's going on there? Or hopeful. I do not associate patience with being cheerful. It also speaks of endurance, of endurance and constancy. It carries the meaning of endurance, patience, patient continuance, which is basically waiting. There in his Greek lexicon gives the definition as steadfastness, constancy, and endurance. And you know what? Do you know what's wonderful? Sorry, I should have put that up already. I love this. In the New Testament specifically, it is the characteristic of a man who is not swerved, sorry, a man or a woman, who is not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and suffering. Do you all read that? the characteristic of someone who is not swerved from his purpose and loyalty to his faith, even in the greatest trials and sufferings. There is a challenge for all of us tonight. There is a challenge for me tonight. I need to hear this as well as all of you. And we can live in this and through this, but only when we rely on the Lord to strengthen us and to give us all that we need. He can supply all our needs. How? According to his riches in glory. He can do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or can even imagine. We need his strength and we need it so that we can rid ourselves of impatience, of frustration, and sometimes even our anger at him. We all need to pray for this kind of patience, the biblical kind, so that no matter what comes our way, no matter what comes against you, no matter what comes against me, no matter the obstacle in our way, we can remain steadfast, we can remain constant, we can endure whatever that is, and we can remain loyal to our faith in the Lord. And remain faithful to the Lord. You know what? I need that kind of patience in my life. Will you pray for me? Those of you that know me know I don't have an ounce of patience. And what of this long-suffering, this word long-suffering? Well, do you know what? It's a word that carries the same meaning as the word translated patience. Paul's basically saying the same thing twice. It is simply endurance and perseverance. And we need all of those things, and we can receive them when we ask the Lord to strengthen us by his glorious might according to his glorious power. Look, here's the truth. If you need strength in your life tonight, if you needed it yesterday, if you need patience, if you need endurance, if you need perseverance, if you need faith, will you come to him and receive it? Receive from his glorious riches of love, mercy, strength, abundant, exceeding grace. I need it. Oh, I, I really, really need it. And I can tell you what, you all need it. I know most days. All we have to do is ask in faith. That's it. And he will give you the strength. He will give you the perseverance you need to make it through whatever it is you're facing. But he won't only do that. He'll also give you joy. He'll give you joy. Unto all patience and long suffering with what? With joy. With joyfulness. God's word uh, translation has verse 11 like this. We ask him to strengthen you by his glorious might with all the power you need to patiently endure everything with joy, to patiently endure everything with joy, with kara. That's the Greek word kara. Cheerfulness. Here's an, a wonderful meaning: calm delight. Who wants some of that in their life? Calm delight. Do <laughs> I have Turkish delight? But I'll have the calm delight as well. It's gladness. And it's joyfulness. Look, look at that wee pup. He looks happy, doesn't he? That's, that's the way we're meant to be. Gladness and joyfulness in every trial, in every situation. It's a word that simply speaks of joy and gladness. The desire of Paul and Timothy was that every faithful saint in that place, in the church in Colossae, would be strengthened by the Lord's glorious might and power so that they could patiently so that they could patiently, with faith and loyalty, endure everything and anything with gladness and joyfulness. That sounds absolutely incredible. I want that. I want to be able to live like that. I want all of you to be able to live like that. I want the strength to endure everything. I want the strength to be patient, to face whatever comes my way, so that I can face it with faith, with loyalty, with perseverance, and most of all, I want to look like that. No matter what I'm going through, that's the way I want to be. And this strength, church, it only comes from the one source and from the one place. We know who it comes from the Lord, who was and is and is to come. And as we move into verse 12 and onwards, Paul asks the believers and the faithful in Colossa to simply give thanks. Give thanks. That is what I want you to take away tonight. Give thanks. Read it with me. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who have delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of of sins. What an amazing passage from the Word of God. I know you all know it so well. There's so much good stuff in here, so much truth and goodness. Paul says to the believers, give thanks, be grateful. You know what? Gratefulness and thanksgiving are required of you. Why? Because the Lord is deserving of it and he is worthy of it. You know, the truth is that Paul doesn't need to give the Colossian believers any reason for why they should be thankful or grateful but Paul feels it's right to remind them of what God has done for them. And that's what he writes in verses 13 and 14. <laughs> Listen to this incredible and life-changing list of things that the Lord has done for those who have faith in him and choose to serve him. Look, these, these are things that we, alongside the Colossian believers, are to be thankful for. Firstly, he has made you meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. I love that. I love that. Colossians, believers tonight, God has made you meet. That's, a, that's a, an old way of saying that God has enabled you to become part of, to be partakers of a portion of a wonderful inheritance. You know, this word inheritance, it's such an interesting word. It's the Greek word kleros, and it has a few meanings. It can be an object used in casting or drawing lots, which was either a pebble or a potsherd or a bit of wood. It can be that which is obtained by Lot or an allotted portion. It's a portion of a ministry common to the apostles. It's used of the part which one will have in eternal salvation. It speaks of salvation itself. And also, listen to this, it speaks of the eternal salvation which God has assigned to the saints. That's you. Remember I told you, you're saints. Here I believe we can all agree that Along with most commentators, that Paul is using the word in this in distinct reference to the Colossian believers, part and share in this eternal salvation. Paul and Timothy are saying that God has enabled each and every believer there in that fellowship at Colossa to be partakers, to share, to, to have a slice of, to be participants in the heritage and inheritance of his glorious gift of eternal salvation. Church, are you hearing this and getting it? We have a part in it too. This is great news for us. Surely this is a reason to give thanks to the Lord and be grateful to him. Amen. And we tonight, those of us gathered here in this building, we are also partakers alongside the Colossian believers in this wonderful, this life-changing gift of eternal salvation, we also have a part in this glorious inheritance. We have a share in this glorious gift. If that doesn't make you excited, I don't know what will. You know, God has enabled each of us, you and me, to share a portion in this glorious everlasting salvation for all eternity. And you know what? We should be forever grateful and thankful for it alongside those in Colossa all those years ago. Church, look at what the Lord has done for us. Look at what he has done for you. Look at what he's done for me. Look at what he's done for Glenn Mackin. Look at what he's done for the world. It's truly incredible. We are so undeserving of his grace and mercy, yet he chooses to include us to bring us into this beautiful, eternal inheritance. Church, he's worthy of our praise. Can't say it any other way. He is worthy of all of our praise. And you know what? If that's not enough for you, look at what Paul and Timothy go on to say. They say, God has delivered you from the power of darkness and has translated you into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even what the forgiveness of sins Amen, amen, and amen. I love this. I love these words that Paul and Timothy sent to the Colossian believers all this time ago, filled with so much truth and grace and words that still carry the truth of what God has done for all of his children. Can I read verses 12 to 14 for you? This is a slightly different translation. You will also thank the Father who has made you able to share the light, which is what God's people inherit. God has rescued us from the power of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of his son whom he loves. Listen to this. His son paid the price to free us, which means that our sins are forgiven. Who can say amen to that? Colossians, this is good news. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. God has delivered you. He has rescued all of you from the power of darkness. And now you share in this wonderful inheritance of light. That is what God's people receive. God has transferred you. He has translated you from one kingdom. He's taken you from one kingdom, lifted you out, and he's placed you in another. That's what God's people receive. God has transferred you He has translated you from one kingdom into another. There's been a transfer. You've been, as I said, you've been lifted out of darkness and you've been placed into light. He has taken you from the kingdom of darkness and placed you into another. And this kingdom, it's a kingdom of light and it's ruled by the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the kingdom of the son of God and his name is Jesus. You've been moved. And you know what? It's not just a move. It's not like moving house. It's not like moving football team. This is a life-changing and an eternal move. You have been lifted out of darkness and put into light, and you share in an, an eternal inheritance in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. It's incredible. It's incredible. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. That ye should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness were into his marvelous light. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that what? God is light. Say that with me. God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. Here we have Jesus. He cries out and says, he that believes on me believes not on me. But on him that sent me, and he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me, I am come a light into the world that whoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And what did this son, what did this Jesus do for us? What did did this Jesus do for you? Paul states clearly, he paid the price to free you, and now your sins are forgiven. You have received redemption. I love that word, redemption. Redemption. How? By his blood. I'm going to try and say this. Apolytrosis. Atrocious, maybe. (laughs) Apolytrosis. This is, sorry, wrong slide here. This is ransom in full. This is salvation. This is deliverance. This is redemption. You have been ransomed. You have been delivered. You have been salvaged love that word. I remember Alan was talking about being salvaged. This word salvation. You were literally sinking deep in sin and God came along and he salvaged you by his precious blood. That's how we were saved. And because of that, all our sins have been forgiven. And that's the good news of Jesus Christ. That's it. The glorious gospel of Jesus. You know, the word forgiveness, it speaks of a release from bondage or imprisonment. We were imprisoned, we were in bondage, but we've been freed from that. The truth is that without the ransom and the rescue of Jesus by his death, by his blood, by his sacrifice, every believer there in Colossus would still have been living in the kingdom of darkness and death. They would still be in bondage, they would would still be in prison. But God had a rescue plan and his name was Jesus You see, the Colossians received the good news with open arms. They received news of this rescue mission and they received it with open hearts, with open ears and with open minds. It was this gospel, this good news, this rescue plan that took them from imprisonment. It broke the chains. It took them out of bondage and and transferred them from a kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved son, into this kingdom of light free from sin and shame, free from bondage and the imprisonment of death and into new life. And you know what? God has done precisely exactly the same thing for all of us who know him as God and Savior. We have been transferred, we have been moved, we have been rescued into that kingdom of light. And now we all share alongside those believers in this wonderful eternal inheritance of light of the saints which is promised by God the Father. We are partakers, all of us. We're, we all share a portion. We all have a part in that glorious inheritance of the saints. Church, it's good news. It's great news. Rescue and redemption. And you know, his blood, his blood is the vehicle by which we are rescued and redeemed. His blood translates us. The very spirit of God comes and lifts us from one kingdom and sets us down in another. A better kingdom, an everlasting kingdom. You know, we have the sure and certain hope of this inheritance. You, listen to me, you, every single one of you, you are a saint in light. You're a saint who lives in the light of God in the kingdom of his dear son. You've been rescued. You've been ransomed. You've been redeemed. Praise the Lord. He is worthy of all our praise, church. Worthy of all our worship. Just look at what he's done. Look, if I could leave anything with you tonight, it would be the simple words of Paul and Timothy. In everything, give thanks. Remember the song the choir sang? In everything, give thanks. Look and understand. Try to comprehend, if you can, if you can get your mind around it, what the Almighty God has done for each of us in Jesus Christ, and then give thanks Give thanks every day, every second of every day. You know, it's so easy to get out of the habit of being grateful and thankful. I've been there. But we need to get back to just saying, Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you've done. We have so much to be grateful for. We have so much to be thankful for. But above all, we should be thankful and grateful that he has redeemed us. He has taken us out of that kingdom of darkness and into this kingdom of life and light Look at what he's done for us and simply give thanks. Psalm 100, I'm coming to your close. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Why? For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. 1 Thessalonians 5 Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. If you don't know what God's will is for your life, I can tell you. It's to rejoice evermore. It's to pray without ceasing. And it's in everything to give thanks. It's right there in black and white and black, black and white. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Church, let's stand together. And let's, let's sing. Hope you've been blessed by the word tonight. And just go, go, go with those words in your heart tonight. Give thanks in everything, give thanks.